Would you stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. And second in our series on our adversary, the devil. Uh, part 2 this morning, speaking of his devices. If you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and get it. There was a lot of introduction there. You can do that online. Uh, you can stream it, uh, podcast, or get a DVD or CD uh, from the back table as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 said that lest Satan should get an advantage over us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Lest Satan could get an advantage over us or should get an advantage over us, we are not ignorant of his devices. This verse would imply that if we are not aware of his strategic, uh, systematic, his abilities, uh, his intentions where he works and how he works, that he could get an advantage. See, he can't, he can't touch the eternal life. He can't touch the Spirit of God in me, but he can rob me of opportunity to earn uh, credit for the Lord or glory through works. He can rob me of freedom. He can uh, cause me to stumble and trip me up and to lose. You'll be sharing a lot about this in the message. Lose perspective and priorities so we, we want to be aware, and we covered this last week, of his existence, his abilities, the power he has, but also his limitations. We can be so educated in the Word of God that we can see him coming. And if I see the punch being thrown, I can move out of the way and sidestep. We are to be more than a conqueror through him that loved us. And it's the knowledge of him. It's the knowledge of him. He said God's word teaches us, and this is not the primary context, but it's applicable as well. It says that people perish for a lack of knowledge. If I don't think he exists, then I can suffer for that. If I think he's all-powerful, I will suffer unduly for that. If I think that I can't know how he operates. So this morning I want to continue on in his devices and so we can see how they operate, his strategies. What Wade said is simply fact. He comes to destroy. He comes to consume. Your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, to consume, to digest. It's not a game. It's a battle for your soul and for your children's soul. So this is a serious matter. We do not fear him. We do not look for him. In the sense of uh, fearful of what he's going to do. But we are prepared and ready for him. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty through God. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity that's mine. Uh, me being an unprofitable servant at best. But I submit myself to you. I humble myself before you in the sight of your people. And I ask that if you could, Lord, if you would... To anoint me with your Holy Spirit, that I would speak with uh, uh, an unction from heaven, that my words would be weighty and powerful, that they would be enlightening, that they would go into the deepest part of who we are and bring about change, Christ change, eternal change, redemptive change. For the glory of your Son, I pray it, God, and I thank you in advance for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We talked last week about the limitations of the devil. Let me read just a couple of these. He does not know all things. 
He cannot be in more than one place at one time. But he has principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness that does his bidding that spreads out throughout the world. Concerning the believer, he must abide by protections and permissions of God and nothing further than God allows. Every believer has the power to stand against him and win. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. Not maybe, not might, but he will flee. And Christ will at his return completely destroy his reign in the earth and his opposition to all believers. Before we continue on our numbers, this is my other introduction for you, this on part two. The devices Satan uses against you are strategic. This is just kind of like a setting us up for number two today. They're not just thought out in the morning. They're personal, personally sculpted for you. I'll give you one illustration. You, you make uh, sense to you very early on in the message. I hope all of them make sense to you early on, but this one will really stand out. Let's say food was a temptation. Just say it was. Just, yeah, no, just was. You know, just hypothetically. All right, and I, I'm being very honest here. It is funny, but I'm being very honest. You're not going to woo me with a bar of Dove chocolate or a cup of coffee. I've never drank a whole cup of coffee in my life. You've not tried. I've tried it. I don't like it. Smells wonderful. Tastes horrible. I, I guess it reminds me of soup. I don't want hot liquid, I, except for hot chocolate. I'll, I'll drink that every now and then. Okay, but you have a piece of chocolate or a, we go out to dinner and my wife always prefers, baby, get what you want, get what you But I'm appetizers, meat, and potatoes. By the time we get to dessert, I don't care. And so we always go through the ritual. Just read what you have. Well, we have a delicious carrot cake made from, and my wife's just listening, listening. And then we have this apple turnover. And I'm going, yeah. And it's, you know, baked, it's light with ice cream and got glazed pecans. I'm like, yeah. I look at her and she's, and? And, and, well, they have a cream brulee, and then we've got a little tort, and then we have a death by chocolate. I'll take that right there. I'll take that. That's what we, we, want, we want that one. I'll take that one. Bring two spoons, him a small one, me. Oh, I'm not picking at her. No, I'm not picking at her. Now, let's reverse it. We go to Outback for supper, and we're doing appetizers, and she's reading the menu, and I'm going, <laughs> as if there were an option. We're getting a large order of cheese fries. I'm eating. If there's 200 on there, she'll get six. She likes them, but it's not as much a temptation. You see? I'm a bucket of chicken. She's a bar of chocolate. You see what I mean? Do you follow me? And if you knew us, and you come to my house, and, and I, I like desserts, and I appreciate y'all bringing them, and I will partake. But it's nothing like, you know, there's three or four desserts. Oh, there's 17 layer, so-and-so, and everybody's, ooh, ah. And then Jake and Carla come in with a bucket of chicken. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> a bucket hot right out of Publix. Okay. You, you have been categorized, watched, and studied. And his devices against you are personal, strategic, and right down your alley. He knows your language. He knows your desires by watching. 
they're systematic. It's not one temptation looking for destruction. It's to whittle away, to erode your faith, erosion, to erode your confidence, to erode your effectiveness. The devices he uses are obvious as well as subtle, visible as well as hidden, but you have to be looking for them. Once he gets a believer uh, deceived, then the most obvious plans for him, the believer's blind to. But if you walk in the Spirit, you can see him coming and go, well, I'm, you know, that, I'm a, hi, my name's Delilah. Hello. There's a sign, right? It's kind of like that lady that was, well, no, we won't say a lady again because I'll get a letter. Uh, this guy was, uh, he was on his diet and he'd lost, oh, he's doing good. He'd lost, a lot. see guys, we can lose 11 pounds in two days. And you go, I know it, but we can gain 16 in one day. So that's not, you know, he's, he said, Lord, I'm on this diet. And he has to drive by this bakery. And the bakery's like Burger King. They got this huge fan that blows all the stuff out, you know, and you're driving. You're driving by. You don't plan on stopping till you smell, you know. So he's driving by, and he's like, Lord, if it's your will for me to have a coffee cake. Now, I don't mean coffee cake. I mean the kind like taste and see coffee cake that comes out on Dolly. You know, big coffee cake. If it's your will for me to have a coffee cake, let there be a parking place right out front. And sure enough, the fourth time around, there it was, just right there. <laughs> Some of us are in, are paying the cost of being in, a trap that was sprung upon us that we should have saw coming by the discernment of the Holy Spirit. These devices are various, interdimensional, numerous, and interconnected. They're very powerful because they're catered to you, and they're very successful. Spiritual by origin, natural by expression. They're time-tested. He's been doing the same thing, same girl, different dress, since the garden. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Lust of the flesh. I crave that. I, I yearn, my physical body wants that. Lust of the eyes, I covet that. Pride of life, I am that. Ever-changing, yet always the same. And they're easily recognized and unable to operate against the one who walks in the Spirit. Last week I told you, number one, his devices are to distract you. So here we are, number two. The devil's devices are to devalue you. There's a statement the last five or six years now, it's not about you, it's not about you. And I understand that, and it's accurate. But you need to also understand, and if you view it spiritually correctly, it does not square your shoulders with pride. It collapses you into a form of reverence and gratitude. Your value has been set by God. And you're a step above even angels. And nothing in creation is more valued than the people of God. Nothing. So if the devil can distract you, and we talked about that last week, there's destruction there. But if he can devalue you, you will spend your life 
wearing and chasing tinsel crowns instead of gold ones. You'll sell yourself for the affections of a stranger or for a dinner. You'll give yourself to someone that'll just be willing to spend time with you. And it's not a matter of thinking you're better than someone else. It's just a matter of viewing yourself correctly. Listen to this. Let this go down into your soul for that person that's uh, under a false humility of beating themselves up all the time, thinking that devaluing themselves is humility. I was not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from the sins of my fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb slain before the foundation of the, of the world. I was redeemed with the most pure, precious commodity that's ever been discussed by God himself, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's my value. That's my value to him. I did not say I was good. I said I was valuable. I didn't say I was perfect. I said I was valuable. And the saying is, with real estate or anything that you're selling, it's worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. And we were purchased with the precious blood of the Son of God. He will devalue us by establishing false norms, standards, measures, and comparisons. Media, uh, media celebrities, peer pressure. He will devalue you by setting in front of you through uh, demonically controlled networks and, and internet and other things and tell you what you should be and what you ought to be. And this is the only way you have value by what's in the back of your collar, what you drive, where you live. And the Bible is crystal clear to women, it says. Do not let your adorning be, which means primarily, don't define yourself by. It's not a, 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 a cutting off saying you can't brush your hair and brush your teeth and wear anything pretty. That's not what it's saying. It says, but don't let your adorning don't let your glory, don't let your beauty be the things you put on you. Let it be that which comes outside, of, in, from inside out, out of you. For men, we are not to be known by our professions, our professionalism, but by our possession. Who possesses us? I love it when you'll have somebody come and join the church and you'll say, well, you know, hey, Joe, good to me. What do you do? He said, well, I, I'm, a, I'm a Sunday school teacher for the little boys. Oh, and I practice law. And I go, he gets it. We aren't to be known by and find our value in the things of a deteriorating world. But, but, by, but by whose we are whose we are, who we are, and a life that we live in that gratitude. The devil's devices are to devalue you through abuse and misuse of others. Listen, to devalue you by the abuse and misuse of others. This could be verbal, physical, emotional. It could be through abandonment or betrayal. And all across this room, don't think you're the only one, baby, or sir. I'd say you could probably skip every other person. And someone was either abused or misused. And some in such of a way, you'd have to say, just stop. I, I, I can't. I just can't hear anymore. 
The devil has, watch, put such a stumbling block. And this is where we get that word stumbling block from. In biblical times and even before then, there was a horrible common practice where evil men would put square blocks of wood in front of blind people and cause them to fall, and then all the drunks would laugh at the man. But the stumbling block had to be placed by the person. And the devil has placed a stumbling block in front of you, and you're hung up on, but you don't know how much that hurt when I fell over. You don't know how much shame was there as I fell into uh, a horse-ridden street and the, and, and the excrement and the mud, and you don't know how bruised I've been since then. I, 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 no, I, I don't. I don't. But you don't know that you, there's more to you than what that fool did and what that fool didn't do. We are hurt by what they did or didn't do, but we are defined by what Jesus did for us. Let me tell you what ab use is, abnormal use. All right, these are my worship team's monitors. Let's see if I can make these a, uh, a seat. Lord, if this breaks, they'll talk about me for... Remember that time John broke the monitor? <laughs> okay. Well, that works. But it's not what it was designed for. It's a little bit more comfortable than your blue chairs, but not much. Not much. <laughs> Just for those of you who didn't know, I didn't know that they... They've lasted us 15 years, though, baby. This is abnormal use. Now, depending upon the guy, if I get another guy my size up here and we sit on here, or if we squeeze three or four on here, eventually, because it was not designed for that, it will come apart or cease to work or have a short in it. Okay, y'all didn't get that as much. Let, let me give you another one. Some of y'all at home that, ha you know, a Phillips head screwdriver is a hammer. Where's that hammer? Bring that screwdriver. Scissors become, you know, a, a, a flathead or, or whatever. You can use it, but eventually the plastic on the screwdriver breaks. And listen, you've been abused because you were either too young to be able to fight back or too unaware to stop it as an adult. And all you got to see it is through God's eyes. I was not designed for that. I had a lady not too long ago. Cruel lady. Mean. I know y'all don't know any like that. I know three. Mean. <laughs> mean. Uh, abused me verbally. Relationally. She used to go to this church till I kicked her out. You did what? Oh, I did. I told her, I said, you are a mean, cruel woman, and you're not welcome to come to this church anymore. And I said, now, before you think I'm being haughty and arrogant, I know that I'm going to stand in front of Jesus Christ one day and answer for kicking someone out of a local church. I told her, I said, and I like my odds. 
So she showed up not too long, a couple years later, and walked the aisle, and I didn't know she was here. She walked right up to me, she, and right when I saw her, I hugged her. First thing, so it let me know in my heart there was nothing there. I hugged her, and long story short, she said, you know you have to forgive me, the Bible said so. I said, oh, darling, I forgive you. I just don't trust you. Have a good Sunday. What do you mean? I mean that when you come up into him and you understand what you were designed for, good works, and you don't even let, let's see, whatsoever things are true, honest, pure, lovely, of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. If you can't fit in that category, you do not have access to abuse me anymore. I'm not judging you. I'm judging me. I'm not your chair. I'm not your hammer. I love you. I just ain't got no time for you. Anybody that will contradict how God made you and what he made you for does not have to have primary access to your life. I can wave at you and still have no ought in my heart. Hey, how you doing? I'm not inviting you to lunch because you're mean. <laughs> One other thing on this real quick. When are you going to stop letting that be the defining trait of who you are today? Who walked out? Who never stayed? Who turned who lied? Who stole? I'm going to be as honest with you as I'm always honest with you. I try to be. I'm going to be as honest with you as I can. I still have nightmares often about um, feeling insignificant and devalued. And uh, I'm not trying to sound like a martyr. Hey, a lot of people got it way worse than me. So I still deal with it. But it's not at the forefront. I am a husband to a godly woman. I'm a daddy to three babies. I'm a papa to Sophia, Jimmy and Shelley's baby. I, I am a pastor of a wonderful local church. I have my perspective. Those things happened, and they still might have left a bruise, but I'm greater than the bruises. I'm greater than the broken shins. Don't, don't let the devil limit you to who walked out. Nothing eternal has been lost. You were robbed from, but nothing eternal has been lost. And for everyone in this room that, like me, has been rejected, in heaven you'll be known as accepted in the beloved. Yeah, I like that. All right. To devalue you through sexual immorality. To live for someone else's pleasure instead of the pleasure of God. Some would say, well, no, when I lived immorally and I slept around with other single people or with married people or people of my own sex, I did that for my pleasure. Well, that's because you didn't value you and because they didn't value you. See, the Bible says, let me get the verse for you. I got to get my address. I know the verse, but I got to get the address. 1 Corinthians 6, 
It says, because those of you Christians that are joined to the Lord, uh, you're one spirit with God. So flee fornication and sexual immorality. Every sin that you do is outside of your body. But the one that lives immorally sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which you have of God and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price. There, There it is again. You're valuable. So glorify God in your body. And in your spirit which are God's. Sex is, first of all, it was God's idea. And in the context of marriage, that was his plan. And he was in a nifty mood when he thought it up, you know. Is that okay? Can y'all laugh at that? It was his idea. But it was not designed for, a, for the pleasure alone. It was designed for the intimacy when that man looked in that woman's eye and that woman looked in that man's eye and they were the most important people to them and the satisfaction climax of being together was the pleasure the endorphins released to seal the intimacy not to be shared with whoever bought me the last drink for someone that's not our spouse and some of us uh, just let's let's go all the way to the end of the spectrum and then you can back it up this way okay whether it's on television or you know the person you see the person that's been in prostitution For 10 or 15 years. Okay. You see that sunken. Blank look in their eyes. That means I am worthless. Just in the emptiness. Now back it up this way. We might not get paid for the sex. But they pay us with companionship. Or they pay us with acceptance. Or a good time. It eventually. Rots out the inside of your life. Because we're used. It goes back to abuse. We can't live, guys, bound by pornography, locking our doors and blocking our wife from our computer with our passwords without there being a wallowing out of your soul because it's hard to be a daddy when you're an adulterer. It's hard to be a, a mom. See, we lo- the devil tricks us because, well, you're not happy. She, she's changed. She's changed. Time out. I've been married 15 years and she birthed four babies. Yeah, I think she changed a little bit. She don't look like she did. Have you checked the mirror, catfish, at all in 15 years? Your ears have grown four inches. They're hanging down. Have you? We're, but we're tricked. Well, okay, now that we're laughing, what would make a man walk away from his wife and four babies? To chase a girl half his age at the office. He's tricked. It was the devil's devices. Because she told him he was handsome. And her wife, his wife hadn't told him he's handsome for the last year. Because they're both running on fumes. And they're both tired. And she's offering that magic that he doesn't have anymore. We ought to say that magic that only lasts about two weeks after you got married. Magic gives way to love. Commitment. And if you're engaged in any form of immorality, sex before marriage, not Bill Clinton's definition of sex, but sex outside of marriage, the end result is it's hard to carry your head high when you've given yourself away for pennies. 
through spiritual exploitation. To devalue you through spiritual exploitation. 2 Peter 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 1. There were false prophets among the people, and even so there be false teachers among you who bring in damnable heresies, heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many people will follow their uh, pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness, they will make merchandise of you. This is your modern-day false teachers, prosperity teachers. They devalue you through exploitation, and they present promises that God did not give them outside of the context God gave them to make you supposedly acquire wealth and health and happiness outside of God. They say it's with God, but no, God's just a little bonus. And if God's not the end destination, it's a heresy. And we're spiritually exploited for what you can do for me. Let somebody carry my Bible in. I remember I went to preach for somebody one time. And just take it in context for what it's worth. Don't get mad at me. But the whole armor bearer thing on steroids. Okay? I, I don't have any, by the way. Uh, I walked in. Hello, Brother Wood. Give me your, I'll take your Bible. I said, no, I'm good. I got, got my Bible. No, but, no, but I, I want to carry it. I said, no, really, I'm good. Well, let me take your coat. No, I'm good. How about this? How about you walk with me? Tell me who you are. Where are you from? Are you married? How long have you been coming here? You got any babies? Man, good. What do you do? Are you a deacon? Wonderful, man. Isn't the Lord good? Now watch. When, we, when I sat down, I said, hey, thank you for the offer. It's good to get to know you. He had been taught that his value was found in serving a greater man. Instead of, I'm just like you, man. You, you're, a, you're a son of God. And I gave him value. Going to the front row, I ascribed more value to him by treating him who he was than he'd ever got in years of recognition at that church. You see? That's why I tell you, I give you opportunities to serve, but we don't put everybody that serves on the stage and give them necklaces and you know, burn vigils and put plaques on the wall and all that because then I've sold you. I've man manipulated you by giving you man's recognition for the things you did not do for man. I ain't getting away men's, but it was good. Can I, I don't remember what all I've told you. I probably told you all my stories. But I went to preach at a place. I forgot where, but this was, oh, Lord. You know, once you're close to 60, it's just back there. You know, that was a long way back there. And uh, right when you walked in, there was this huge tree in the foyer against the wall. And it had plaque leaves. There was your big leaves with the name on it, so-and-so gave $5,000. And there was a medium-sized leaf. You know, he gave 2500 You had the 1000 and then you had the 500 and the 50 And then you had the charm bracelet leaves, you know, for the $20 or $25. You know, and I just, it just struck me kind of, I mean, I understand the why. It was a way to get those that wanted to see their name up in lights to give. I, I got it. It's pretty immoral, but I got it. They were exploited. I got it. So I thought I would just call the question with my humor, which is so effective, that it would, everybody would just go, I've never thought of such. I said, well, it's good to be with y'all today. I said, what about that tree in the foyer? 
I said, man, I got to looking at that thing. I said, you know, if, if you ever called me to be your pastor, which I'm not looking to pastor, I'm just an evangelist, just a traveling itinerant preacher. But if I ever came here, you know what I'd do? I'd set a white table up right in the front, and I'd have everybody mandatory. You had to come, you had to tell me zero, 25, 50, whatever. Whatever leaves you got on the wall, we're going to buy them back. I said, how much I owe you, Miss Jackson? 50? Okay, here you go. Here you go. 100? Ooh, 2,500. Praise the Lord. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Okay, everybody paid back. Whoo! We can give Jesus the church back. <laughs> Nobody laughed in the whole church. I went, like, Jesus can have the, it, you know, it wasn't his because we, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to, that's just what I did. I was like, ooh. Never knew they were exploited. Never knew they were manipulated. We are devalued by religious organizations that set our value when they did not die for us. I put it to you this way. We couldn't do anything here without the generosity of the people here. Period. But Jesus put a story in the Bible of a widow woman that came by. He didn't even mention her name. He said, you see that woman there? That widow put in everything she had. So some of the people that don't have leaves on the trees are going to have crowns in heaven larger than the largest givers. All right. Exploitation. Well, how do they make merchandise of you? They convince you to give them your money, your time, your resources, your esteem, and they pay you back with things that won't make it into heaven. You follow me? Make sure you honor the prophet. Honor me. No, no. It's okay to give honor to whom honors do, but we are crystal clear. This ain't John's church, and I'm no different than you. I just happen to do this for a living, and you are where you're supposed to be. We're all kings and priests unto God. So we don't, we're not doing this for man's reward. We're doing this for the smile of the Savior that's soon to come. All right. He wants to devalue you through depravity, uh, humanism, relativism, godlessness, perversion. The devalued person, the end game is this, to live their life with an inaccurate view of their worth. If I do not know who I am and what I'm worth to God, then I will make quick decisions desperate decisions oh baby the wind is closing stop talking about the windows how old are you 32 ain't had no baby Ooh, that wind is closed quit quit some of you ladies who are single beautiful inside and out and you you, you struggle and you hurt because people are why ain't you married when are you getting married a pretty girl could get married in seven days. Do you hear me? Easy. Just go up to Catfish, Billy Bob Jones, and just have, ooh, where you been hiding, big boy? Rub his wrist. I ain't never said, why aren't you gobbled up? He'll have you a ring in seven days. <laughs> getting married is, getting married's easy. Did you hear me? Not so much for a guy. But a girl can get, guys are dumb. Guys can, guys, well, anyway, that's the whole, where was it? Hold on. What, what was, 
That's the truth, though. We, 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 if we don't value ourselves, I, I want to put so much value in my little girls. I'll stick with the little girls, okay? That the first time some little skippy, whatever, I hate them all. Every boy in the world is evil. Do you hear me? I'm one. I'm telling you, they're evil. Their thoughts are continuously wicked. All day, every day, they're all evil. But the first one that come and put her, his hand, her hair over her ears, boy, you, your eyes, I see the moon in your eyes. I want her to put the hair back. My daddy's been telling me that 30 times a day for every day since I was barely crawling. Get out of my face. I'm serious. I want them to feel so valued, so valued. Daddy, I want to put a bone through my lip. I want to put a, a plate in my ear, or a tattoo on my eye or something. I said, baby, you don't put bumper stickers on Lamborghinis. You don't need, you don't need to doctor that up. Now, I'm not preaching a sermon against tattoos. and all. I'm just telling you the value. I want to, I want to build it into them, not so they're arrogant, so they're not deceived by, deceived by the first, or diseased by the first catfish that comes by. Do you follow me? That's good. All right, I only got time for one. Um, I will had four, four, two and three and four, but I'll do two and three. Number three, if you're taking notes, the devil's devices are to distance you. Oh, this one's so easy to see, but we're we're either, we don't perceive it, or we just think that you can gain the ground back as quick as you listen. God forgives instantaneously. But it takes a while to gain back the ground you lost. It takes a while to gain back your respect, self-respect and the respect of others. It takes a while to gain back your confidence and your momentum. The devil's devices, number three, are to distance you, letter A, from God's word. He wants to distance you from God's word. He does this by sins, weights, deception, rebellion, pride. But whatever it takes to get you from God's word. Now hear me. Get mad if you want. It's fine. He w- if he had his choice, he'd rather you listen to six hours of worship music than read your book. This worship is a wonderful thing. But it's thy word. That I've hidden my heart, not thy songs, that I might not sin against thee. He has magnified his word, even above his name. And if you are biblically literate, and you're wonderful and kind and generous, he knows that you are open prey at a specific time because you don't know the word. When Jesus was tempted, he answered with three, it is written. It is written. How quick. Are you to say it is written, or do you have to go get your concordance to find where it's written? To distance you from the Word of God. I want my children to hear me finish their Bible verse when they come home and say, Daddy, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. And I said, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence of singing. And they looked at me, I said, Don't you know the Lord is God? It's he that made it, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Olivia, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Isabel, enter his courts with praise. Go ahead. And they said, be thankful in him and bless his name. 
And they go, for the Lord is good. Oh, and is he, his mercy is everlasting, Olivia said. And his truth endureth to all generations. And then I want them to start putting that together. Daddy knew that. So if I know his word, and you're trying to present me with a crown made of aluminum foil, and I know I'm going to receive a shepherd's crown, and a crown of life, and a crown of righteousness, I'm not tempted by that mess. And if I am tempted, I'm smart enough to decipher between the car you're offering me is not as valuable as the car I'm driving. Once again, that's good. He wants to distance you from God's people. Well, I just get my church at home. No, you don't. No, you are tricked. I get the word. The Bible speaks of the body of Christ as a body where the joints and the sap and the ligaments and all of it's connected. What flows through you, I need to flow into me. And what flows into me needs to flow into you. Every joint supplying. Supplying what? That which it has to another. All you're getting on the television is information. I'm sharing life with the people of God. That's why he says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is in Hebrews. It's not about going to Christ chapel. It's about Christians being the core of your relationships. Not exclusively, but the core. And Satan, if he can surround us with old high school friends, you know, isn't it crazy? You got your high school picture, you're 17, 18, you got your little beard. And then you're 45 years old, and you got the same picture, your clothes are a little bigger, and your hair's a little thinner. And then you're 70, and, you know, you got creative hair combing going on, and, you know, you look like a Sharpay up here. And the same guy holding a beer like a fool. Oh, we got to, you better laugh. The world's laughing. <laughs> Evil relationships, the Bible says, corrupt good lifestyles. And I have friends of mine that were high school and college friends. I don't hate them. I just understand that if I'm around that, my old nature will crave the things I left in Egypt, the leeks and the onions. It's like if somebody comes in all of us. <laughs> Some of y'all work with the public and they come in your office. <coughs> what is wrong with you? You know, and I just got new pneumonia. Well, we both got it now. Thank you very much. My health won't jump on them, but their junk will jump on me. So that's why if you live the fool and act the fool, Here's what I tell people. I said, I'm not judging you. I'm judging me. I'm not strong enough to live in the vortex of that worldly system that I was once in. I got to keep my distance. I'm not judging you. I'm judging me. When I see them, hey, man, how are you? Good to see you. That's it. Because how can I say it? When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, we were bound and many of us with great addictions. And, you know, some devils you cast out and some you starve out. And you got a devil, you ain't give him nothing. Like, I, I've not drank alcohol since 86. And when I tell you that I drank, used to drink, I'm telling you if I had a dollar for every beer I drank, I'd pay cash for a new truck. Cash, easy. 
well, John, do you think you'll go to hell over a beer? I might. Because here's this devil's tax, you know, he's chained up in the labyrinth of my soul. He's not eaten since 86. Just, he just withered, joint, you know, just looks like he's dying. I flipped that joker one crouton. Just, just one. Dun, dun, dun. He rips the chain out because I know me, I couldn't drink one. You see? And some of you have relationships. You love that person and they love you. But they are effectively used by the devil to distance you from God and God's people and God's word. That's the truth. I've seen more people die through friendships than dark evil. Brooke, if you would come, please. To distance you from God's people, the Bible says, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. I have many unbeliever friends, but no close friends. I, I can't live in that system because I'll start singing what they sing and liking what they, I, I can't, I'm not designed to live there. Has it ever dawned on you that they're not designed to live here? You bring them to church and they're like, so how was it? Was all right. You want to come back? No. So they're not comfortable here. How is it you can be comfortable there, right? Okay. His devices are to distance you from God's presence. Listen to what God told Moses. He said, Moses, Exodus 33, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And Moses says, if your presence does not go with me, don't even let me go. For how shall it be known that I found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct from every other people on the face of the earth? This is what distinguishes us from every other people on the face of the earth. God goes with us. The quickest prayer you'll ever have answered is this. Is there something between you and I, God? He'll go, that. That person. That thing. That, that, that. That is in the way. You can have the worst of days. Be in the worst season. Nothing going right. Your dog won't come to you. The air conditioner's gone out. Your car's tires are leaking air. You're like, anybody ever have those days you just look for the candid camera? You go, what? Where is it? What? But a song will come on the radio. And your spirit man immediately will start to melt. And the tears will go down your face. And you go, you're with me. You're with me. And if the devil can separate you from an awareness an awareness of and a practice of God's presence, he knows he's just a few discouraging days from getting you to consider turning around. But when I taste of the goodness of the Lord, I'm not tempted with the offerings of the world. I need thee, Lord, every hour. I need to be reminded what I have and whose I am and where I'm going. His presence was a song we sing. His presence is heaven to me. That's, my, that's one of my favorite things. And I've learned to practice the presence of God. You may think this is overboard or silly. But when you ever have the Lord just like a breeze blow, you know, just out of nowhere. Or a song will come on or something. You just right there. I don't care where I am. I lift my hands. I'll cry. I'll say, I know that's you. 
I know that's you. And I didn't want this moment to pass. I don't make a spectacle. I don't hold signs up, look at me. Although the results are the same. I, you know, I, a couple weeks ago in front of Wild Wing, it happened. And I stood right out there near that statue and I lifted my hands. I didn't care. And I cried. I said, I love you. Thank you for saving me. And just under my breath like this, of how good you are to me. And you know there's people walking up out of picking their teeth. Oh, Lord Jesus. They'll walk around. But that presence, that presence, his presence, that witness of the Spirit. Because if he can separate you from that, you're just a few weeks or months away from considering going back because everybody wants to feel alive somewhere. As for me in my house, I find my life here among his people. Among the songs of Zion. The radio is full of songs, but they're not our kind of songs. The radio, the television is full of shows, but they're not our kind of shows. This is where I find the sap that flows from each joint. Very quickly, he wants to separate us from God's will. His will for your life. Some of you are supposed to be preachers today. Teachers. Your home's supposed to be open. And Wade is going to be talking about this throughout December. There's two or three services. He's going to unpack that thing about our life groups that are coming. If you're not living for God's will, you are living outside of God's will. He wants to distance us from God's pleasure. Psalms 89 says, Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They will walk in the light of your countenance. Some will ask me, they'll say, What did you feel Sunday? I talked to Kelly about the preaching. She'll go, How do you think it went? I said, There's there's answers I'll give her. I said, It was all right. Or I felt anointed today. But you know what the highest one is, Jason? When I'll answer, See, when I say I felt it was anointed, you think that'd be the highest one? No. I said, I really sensed his pleasure today. That he just said, John, you think that's silly, but I'm his son. You understand me? He's the only father I have. And when he delights in me, he goes, John, that was good. Come here. That pleasure is supposed to be the driving force of our ministry and our prayer. Jesus, teach us to pray. Start out with relationship, our Father. Our Father, live, live in the pleasure of your Father. Let Him delight in you. Let Him sing over you. Let His banner over you be love. And it'll drive and motivate you to fulfill God's plan for your life. And finally, He wants to separate you from God's favor. Psalms 30 verse 5 says, In His favor is life. Hebrews 10, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. That's what I'm trying to do today. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is, but exhort one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. If he can separate you from the awareness of God, from the purpose of God, from the presence of God, from the power of God, from the pleasure of God, and from his favor... There's little quips out there now, you know, hashtags, favor ain't fair, and all of this. Well, it's really not. God's favor on my life, it says, in his favor is life, which means 
when I approve of you, I decree a blessing. In my favor is life. So Jeremiah, life for your home, life for your marriage, life for your business, life for, life for your dreams. All I got to do is have his smile. Anyway. And it just, and when he speaks a thing, when he would speak over the Israelites and said, now this tribe, this is what's going to happen. I want there to be such a favor on my life that anyone and anything that would take me out of that, I'm willing to let you go. I'm not, I'm not angry. I just, I have priorities here. We see it in our home, but we don't see it in the kingdom. Okay, last thoughts. This woman and my babies, little nanny, grandma, Rebecca, my family, and then all of y'all are outside of that. That's the natural realm. Well, in the kingdom of God, there's Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and y'all. And anyone that pulls away from that, they're on the outside. So, Brother John, why would you share all this? So you're not be ignorant of his tactics. If he's trying to separate you from, or, you know, to, to bring separation between you and God's word, God's presence, God's voice, God's people. He says, I see you. This relationship makes me not want to worship God. This relationship makes me want to live carnally. This relationship makes me want to do today what I didn't do before. No, that's wrong. I reject that. I resist it. And once I resist him, the Bible says he will flee. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Pastor Wade, would you come and dismiss us today? And give us just a moment just to think over these words. And then Wade will have you stand and pray over you. might be tempted to think that these words are for unbelievers, but this is a message for believers this morning. Haven't you felt that? It's a reminder that we take this and go somewhere with it, right? In Romans, Paul writes this, he says, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regards of righteousness. But what fruit were you getting from that time of the things that which you're now ashamed of? For the end of those things is death. But now you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and it ends in eternal life. So let us this morning, let us apply this word that we've heard. Let us cast off whatever it is that you're feeling. God's just speaking to you and sharing you this morning. Let us cast this off, will we? Dear Heavenly Father, we want to cast these things away, God, if, if we become 
lenient or we become weak or we become disillusioned or if we become distracted, whatever it is. God, your word has spoke to us this morning. God, our hearts have been quickened. Let us be quick in obedience. Let us respond in quick obedience, God, this morning. God, let us not delay till tomorrow. Let us not put it off another day, but right now. So Lord Jesus, we repent of the ways that we've allowed the enemy to steal our joy, to steal our favor, to steal our value, to steal our purpose, to steal our influence. And we turn to you, Jesus. We look back to you. We cast our gaze upon your face. God, would you let your wind of refreshing blow over us? Would you let the wind of your presence pull us back in to the glory? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you go and be blessed in the Lord? Amen.